Well, joy and happiness and cheer, those are all words we commonly use to describe Christmas. But according to the latest data from finder.com, about 56% of Americans will experience or feel another word this Christmas. That word is disappointment. Specifically, the disappointment in not receiving a gift that you expected. Anyone ever been disappointed at Christmas? Uh, If the data is true, a little over half of this packed room will be disappointed tomorrow. Yes, so encouraging today with Christmas. So glad I came, right? It's one thing not to receive a gift that you want. But today I want to talk to us beyond the gifts that we receive. And I want to talk to us about what we expect from Christmas itself. Like the very first Christmas where Christ was born. Because the reality is, if I have the wrong expectation about what was given at that first Christmas, then when I experience it, I'll be greatly disappointed in the very one who gave it, Christ himself. If you're new here, my name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor here. And regardless of whether you're going to be disappointed tomorrow or not, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas and just say thank you so much for choosing to celebrate with us today. That includes anybody who's joining us on video today or sometime later online as well. So glad that you are with us. A couple of years ago, uh, our family had a different kind of Christmas that led to some disappointment from our kids around Christmas. My wife, Sabrina, in January of 2015, received a phone call from her dad where he informed us that he and Sabrina's stepmom would like to provide for us and our four kids her siblings and their children as well, uh, a cruise, five-day cruise uh, over New Year's with them. They would pay for us to get to the cruise port. They would pay for the cruise itself. Anything on the boat or any excursions we were responsible for ourselves, the cruise would leave a few days after Christmas. and, And they clarified on the phone call that this would be their Christmas present to us. No other gifts for us or for the children, which obviously we we understood. This was incredibly generous. more more than we ever expected to receive from them. So my wife and I, we, we talked and Sabrina said, hey, on our bucket list is to swim with dolphins. So what if we took the money that we save all year long for for Christmas, and what if we bought a dolphin excursion for us and the kids while on the cruise? So we posed that idea to the kids. They were over the moon, loved the idea about the cruise and the dolphin excursion. We clarified to our children, now understand, this is the only gift you're receiving from Papa and Grandma this year. It's the only gift you're receiving from us this year. And all, all of our kids said... They understood. (laughs) Keyword being said. As Christmas season approached, they wanted some extra money for for, uh, uh, souvenirs and spending money on the cruise. And so they asked the other two sets of grandparents only for money for Christmas. Meaning, on Christmas Day, there would be nothing in the stockings, no gifts under the tree. The only thing, everything that Christmas was going towards the cruise and the dolphin excursion. So as Christmas Day approached, the questions began to arise. Questions, as you can imagine, like, why are there no presents under the tree? 
So I reminded, at first I was patient with my kids, which does not happen very often, but I reminded them, and don't forget, you know, Papa and Grandma are doing the cruise, we're doing the dolphin excursion, you know, you ask the other grandparents for, for money, so there's, there's nothing under the tree this year. But as the questions and comments continued, my patience did not, I'll tell you that. I remember one of our children asking us this question, why aren't you getting us anything for Christmas? I was like, homie, say what? Like, why are why aren't we getting you anything? What I wanted to say was, what, what about the life we give you every day? Like food, clothing, shelter, love. Does that mean nothing to you? But I didn't say that. With a heightened voice, I said, what do you mean? We're not getting you anything. Do you know how much a dolphin excursion costs? Like we're saving all year for this. My patience officially ran out. When one of our kids, I honestly don't remember which one it was, I think God's blocked it from my memory so I don't love them less. But one of our kids asked or said this, not a question, they made this comment. I vote we have Christmas next year instead of doing nothing for Christmas. I was like, oh snap. Like, Sabrina, get the bail money ready. I'm about to injure someone right now. Like, do nothing, I'll show you nothing like, how about when we swim with dolphins, you swim with sharks? How about that for Christmas? It's moments like those I realize why, why some species eat their own young. Can I get a witness up in this place today? Even on Christmas Day, uh, some of our kids complained that no one got them anything for Christmas. I lost my mind, okay? You might be asking, why are you telling us this? Because I need counseling. Can someone help me out today? I tell you that because it's a humorous story. Now, it wasn't then. But I think my kids' reaction on that Christmas is how many of us react to what was given to us on the very first Christmas from Jesus. That what we expect and what we experience are two totally different things. He didn't do for us or did not give us what we thought he would or, or deeper what we thought he should it's a dangerous place to be because it can lead to massive disappointment in life. It can actually lead to unbelief in the very one who gave us life. That could be a problem for us. If you're here today, by the way, and, and you find yourself not believing, struggling to believe in Jesus, I'm thrilled that you are here today. Because my, my hope, my prayer, my desire for, for all of us, whether you believe or not, my desire is at the very least, we would walk away today with a renewed or a refreshed or a reminded understanding of what we should expect from the very first Christmas. And the reason that's so important to me is I want us to fully experience what was given to us at Christmas. It's actually our big idea for today. If you wanna write it down, it's on the screens. It's this, to fully experience what was given at Christmas we have to fully understand what to expect from Christmas. That if I want to experience all that Jesus has, has given to me, I've got to, ex I got, I got to understand what to expect from what he did and what he offered at Christmas. So if expectation is, is so important, and it is, we've got to answer this big question today. What should we expect from the very first Christmas? What should we expect from the very first Christmas? For the rest of our time, 
We're going to be in the Gospel of Luke in the Bible, the New Testament, the third book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and then, and then Luke, uh, one, chapter 1, verses 67 through 79. We're going to have it all on the screen, so if you want to follow along there, you can. If you, did, if you happen to bring a Bible, you can follow along in your own Bible as well. If you don't own a Bible, uh, we give them away all year long, not just at Christmas, and you can get one for free out at guest services out in the lobby. A little background here to what's happening in Luke. Here in Luke chapter 1, Mary, the mother of Jesus, while still a virgin, has already conceived Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mary and her husband-to-be, Joseph, despite the cultural shame and rejection it probably caused them, they, they both committed to not only carry Jesus, but to raise, to care for this Son of God, God in the flesh. Meanwhile, a few months earlier, Mary's cousin Elizabeth and her husband Zachariah Long after their, their normal childbearing years, they also conceived a son. That son would be John the Baptist. Like Jesus, John the Baptist was a fulfillment of prophecy from God to the Jewish people, that, that God would one day send someone, a messenger, to prepare the way for the Messiah, to prepare the way for the long-awaited king of the Jews. So John the Baptist in Luke chapter one is born. Zechariah, his father, also a priest in the temple of God, speaks this prophecy about what we've been given at Christmas. Luke 1, starting in verse 67, reading through 75, says this. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he's visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved. Everyone say saved. saved. We will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. That's Powerful stuff, and it sounds awesome, right? But even in this prophecy, I don't believe Zechariah fully understood what he was saying. When Zechariah said, we've been saved from our enemies and from all who hate us, we now know he was talking about our spiritual enemy, the, the devil and his angels. But, but every scholar and theologian I read preparing for this message believed that while Zechariah was prophesying about our spiritual enemy, more than likely he was thinking about the physical enemy of the Jewish people. You see, for, for years, the Jewish people had been under the oppressive rule of the Roman government. They were mistreated, overworked, underpaid, unfairly taxed. In fact, if you look at, at history, the Jewish people were ruled by one oppressive government after another, again and again and again. And for centuries, God's chosen people, Israel, they were waiting for the promised, prophesied Son of God, King of the Jews, Messiah, to rescue them from their oppressors. Zechariah, like the song we sang at the start of the service, if you were here for that, was hoping for a merry little Christmas. 
No doubt he believed that with the arrival of the Messiah, all our troubles will be out of sight. Rome will no longer oppressively rule over us. This is actually, I think, one of the main reasons why people turned on Jesus at the end of his earthly life. Because Jesus did not do what, he, what they expected him to do. He didn't take all their problems and troubles away. But, but that's actually just it. You see, the goal of Jesus was not to take the throne and tear down Rome in the process. He could have done that, but he didn't. The, the goal of Jesus was not to overthrow Caesar. Listen up, this is good. The goal of Jesus was to overthrow sin in this life. To fully experience what was given at Christmas. We've got to fully understand what to expect from Christmas. So what should we expect from the very first Christmas? Number one is this, salvation from sin. Salvation from sin. I think I heard one amen. It came from my dad, so it doesn't count. <laughs> and I get it. I mean, in all honesty, that one point, salvation from sin, we should be hooting and hollering over because it doesn't get any better than that, okay? But I get it. Like for those of us who've been around church for a while, maybe we've believed for a while, that, that's a, it's a common phrase, salvation from sin. And we can very easily just let that slip by. This can very easily become old news to us. So my challenge for us today, especially those of us who are believers is, don't let this good news become old news at Christmas. Because it is the only news that matters in life that Jesus came to save us from our sin. Zechariah continues the prophecy, Luke 1, 76 and 77, and you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Joseph, the eventual husband of, of Mary, when, when Mary came to him and said, hey, hey, babe, I'm pregnant, don't worry, it wasn't a guy. He was like, yeah, right, because okay? none of us would believe it either. So an angel actually appeared to Joseph to convince him that Mary was indeed pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. The angel said this, Matthew 1, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Listen, I, I mean this in the most loving and pastoral way I can say it at Christmas. But if you expect Jesus to offer you anything better than salvation, you will be greatly disappointed in Jesus. Because if that's all he offered, it would be more than enough. And the reason is, all through scripture, we are told that all of us have sinned, all of us, you, me, Billy Graham, as hard as it is to believe, Tim Tebow himself has sinned. Can't believe it, right? And, and because of that sin, we've been separated from God. That sin, if undealt with, if left unforgiven, becomes an eternal separation. And the bad news is we can do nothing ourselves to bridge the gap. 
I can't be good enough to get myself to God. No amount of effort or hard work or good deeds get me back to God. I can't buy my way back. I can't bribe my way back. There is no way for us to get back to God. The only way for us to get to God was if God came to us. And that's what makes the message of Christmas so, so powerful. Our King has come. Jesus. God in the flesh became a child. Creator entering creation. He lived a perfect sinless life, modeling life for us, but even though he never sinned, he died on the cross paying the penalty for our sin. Three days later, he rose from the dead so that by faith in him, we can, not, we can be forgiven of our sins, given a new life today. That's called being born again. We also are given his power so I can live for him every day. That's what Zechariah said. Now we can serve God in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. But not only are we given a new life in him and power to live for him every day, we are also given by him eternal life so that forever in heaven we will be with him. And who does he offer this salvation to? That's actually the good news. Anyone and everyone. For the unclean, the unholy, and the unworthy like we sang about. That no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, and no matter what you have ever believed, this gift of salvation has been extended to you by Jesus. And it's faith in him that makes it come alive. In fact, on the very night that Christ was born, when the angels visited the shepherds out in the fields outside of, of Bethlehem, the angels said to the shepherds, Luke 2, 10 and 11, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to how many people? All people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord's been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Don't let this good news become old news at Christmas because it is the only news that matters in life. To fully experience what was given at Christmas, we have to fully understand what to expect from Christmas. So what should we expect? Salvation from sin. And listen, I'll repeat again. If that's all we ever got from Jesus, it would be more than enough. But there's more. It's like an infomercial. But wait, there's more. <laughs> Zechariah continues. Verses 78 and 79, because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven's about to break upon us. Isn't that beautiful? That's Jesus. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. Something stood out to me in this passage that I, I kind of never noticed, but never made the connection before. Zechariah said, this Messiah, this King that was offered to us at, at Christmas may not save us from the shadow of death, he may not take away the darkness in life, but he will shine a light to those who are in it. So not only should we expect salvation from sin, but number two is this, we should expect a light to shine. A light to shine. The misunderstanding 
of this one expectation, I believe, has led to more disappointment in Jesus over the years than maybe anything else in history. Because like Zechariah, I think a lot of us, a lot of times, we often expect in our lives a merry little Christmas to happen. That because of Jesus, all our troubles will be miles away. They will be out of sight. That Jesus will remove dark things. He will rescue us from the valley of the shadow of death. And praise God, yes, there are times where Jesus does take away dark things. There are times he does rescue us from the valley of the shadow of death. But he doesn't always do that. That is not what Jesus ever promised us in this life. Jesus said about himself, I am the light of the world. So if he is the light of the world and he came to shine a light for those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, then what was Zechariah saying? Zechariah was saying that this Messiah, he may not always take you out of the darkness. He may not always rescue you from the valley of the shadow of death, but he will always shine his light for you while you are in it. His light will always be there, signaling to us, I'm with you, I will protect you, and I will comfort you. Isn't that what King David said in Psalm 23? the most famous psalm we've ever had. Psalm 23, verse four, King David says this. Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. One of the names that we are told that Jesus would have is Emmanuel, which means what? God is with us. For some of you, that's all you needed to hear this Christmas from Jesus is that. I'm with you. I'm with you. I know it's dark. I know you're in the valley. But do you see the light? That that's me, he's saying. That I'm with you, I'm for you, I believe in you, I will not let you go, I am with you. I'm shining my light for those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. To fully experience what was given at Christmas, gotta fully understand what to expect from Christmas. So what should we expect? Salvation from sin. You will call him Jesus for he'll save his people from their sins. A light to shine. That because of Jesus, he will shine his light for those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. And then the last thing I wanna see here is this, a path to be shown. We should expect a path to be shown. Zechariah concludes his prophecy Luke 1, 79b, he just says this, and to guide us to the path of peace. There's a light to shine, but he will also guide us to the path of peace. Last week, I did a, a whole message on, on peace, so I don't wanna belabor the point here. If, if peace is what you're, you're looking for, I'd encourage you to go back and watch or listen to that. I think it'd be helpful to you, but I do wanna point out here, the word peace, 
that we read in this passage, we obviously read it in English. It comes from the Greek language where it was originally written. And the Greek word for peace here is the word irene. Uh, Put it on the screens here, the definition is this, to join or tie together into a whole. It means wholeness. That this Messiah would guide us to the path of wholeness. I believe that definition is exactly what we've talked about today. Like so many of us, so many times, we feel torn to pieces by the circumstances in life outside of our control or torn to pieces by the sin in our life that is in our control. In some ways, we are all sitting in darkness. We're all sitting in brokenness. Whether it's the general darkness and brokenness that just happens in life around us, physical things like sickness, disease, death, problems, pain whether it's spiritual darkness or brokenness from just sin around us or sin in our life that separates us from God. We all experience darkness, we all experience brokenness, but Jesus, we are told, came to show us the path in our brokenness to wholeness. And that path to peace, that path to wholeness, is not found in stocking stuffers or gifts under the tree. It's not found in a pain-free or problem-free life. That pathway to wholeness is Jesus Christ himself. That he came to make us whole, to tie us together as whole. Whole with who? With the Father. That regardless of what happens around me and regardless of what happens to me, through Jesus, he ties us together as one with the Father. Is that not powerful? So I'm gonna invite the band to come out today. They're gonna sing a song called Speak Into the Darkness. And as the band sings this song, Speak Into the Darkness, I want you to open up yourself to allow God to speak into yours. All of us experience at different times darkness and brokenness in life. Praise God, Christmas is a reminder that that Jesus came to bring peace, salvation from sin, a light to shine, a path to be shown. All of that revolves around peace, wholeness, Christ. So what should we expect from Christmas? Hundreds of years before Christ was born, like God did this for for centuries. He would use men and women as prophets. And he would tell through these prophets promises about a Messiah that was coming to, to rescue them. One of those prophets, one of the most famous ones is Isaiah. In his book of the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter nine, verse six, hundreds of years before Christ was born, he prophesied this about our King. Isaiah nine, verse six, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, meaning he will be a king. And this king will rule and reign in these four ways. He will be called Wonderful Counselor. That no matter what you've done, no matter what you're going through, this king walks beside you, making you and molding you into who you are intended to be. He is mighty God. He is mighty.
mighty to save. He is everlasting father, meaning he's a good dad and he provides all things for his children and he is the Prince of Peace. Coming to make us whole, one with the Father. So as the band sings this song, I want you to let God speak into the darkness and brokenness of your life with his peace.